We read the scripture as to not forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read together. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. My name is Pastor Carrie, and well, really, that's not my name. My name is Carrie Fest, but that's what they sometimes call me around here. It's Pastor Carrie, only sometimes, so don't worry about it. Um, I just want to say a big hello and um, welcome you here. Um, I say this with genuineness in my heart. I know that um, pretty much every Sunday that I say hello, whether it's before worship or during um, a preaching, um, I say that. Like, it's so great to be here with you guys. But I think God has really stirred in our hearts this amazing thought and that it's true, that he has placed us here together to live in community and love and faith together. He's picked this very special time for each of us to be born, to live here in this spot on the planet, and together we're living in worship to God. And it is such a, a privilege to actually look around the room and say, these are people that God has called us to be with. And I think we should just really give him a lot of gratitude for that. And when we have that filter, we actually love one another in a fuller way because we're seeing his intention and his purpose in that. And we can't devalue the um, other ways that people contribute to our lives, whether it's big or small, because we know that he's put them there um, for us and us there for them too. And so I just want to say hello. I love you all. 
you are our family, and, um, and we belong to one another. That's right. That's what the scripture says. So last week, Pastor rolled out this um, new collection of messages, and he, he set some foundation ideas and thoughts for us on God's word. And we're talking about the practice of hospitality. And um, don't worry, it's not about like rolling out silver carts and dishes and like serving people food. That's really, we're talking about the heart of hospitality and what's really in our hearts toward one another, toward our, our guests, strangers in our lives, and our enemies as well. And so our title today is called, Dear Children, Keep Yourselves from Idols. And this is the scripture, 1 John 5.21. John the Apostle writes this as his last statement in um, this book that he wrote, a letter to the people of God. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. And so we are using the Ten Commandments. That's why we read them all together during this collection of the practice of hospitality. We're using the Ten Commandments um, that we're going to read from out of Deuteronomy that Moses was given to set up the society and the neighborhoods and the way that the, the people of God, Israel, would live after they'd been in um, slavery for 400 years. So they had a great need for God to set up <laughs> the way they would live. Because they had always been slaves, their grandparents, their gra- I mean, every person for 400 years had been a slave in Egypt. And so God, in his kindness, because he called them his people, given them his name, just as he has to us through Jesus. And so he gave them the, not only the Ten Commandments, but other law in order for us, for them to set up, hey, here's how we live in relationship and love and community with one another. And so we're using, uh, we're looking at, let me say it that way, the, the uh, practice of, of hospitality through this lens, through what that God has given us of the Ten Commandments. And today we're talking about the second commandment, which we also read together, but I would like um, for us to um, read it. I'm going to read it again for us today. And it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 8. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. So today we're going to focus in on what it means to, have, to, to live with idolatry in our hearts. Ooh, that's really heavy, right? That's a, that's a, mm. <laughs> Because we're here at church on Sunday, right? So we know who our God is, right? We've got the first commandment. We will have only one God. You know, you will have no gods before me, actually, is what the first commandment says. You will have no gods before me. And, and this, this, this second piece of, the, of what God gave in the law for us, uh, it sounds really similar. Like, you'll have no gods before me. And the second one says, you're not going to have any idols. Well, okay. And so what the Holy Spirit was talking to me about was like, the really, it's really like, I'm going to be first and I'm going to be only when it comes to your worship, your affection, and your, the filter for your life. When it comes to what the, the obedience and allegiance and loyalty of your heart, I'm going to be first and I'm going to be only. <laughs> 
You will only be allegiant to me. You will only be loyal to me. And this is a mark of our identity. It is a mark of the people of God that we serve one God. One God and one God alone. Because, see, the Israelites, went before they received this law, then, and when they were in that 400 years of slavery, they're in a society dominated, of course. Um, the peop- their, those, their captors, those that have, have enslaved them, are um, the Egyptians, and they have hundreds and thousands of gods. They just make up whatever they want. I mean, they could see the spot on the carpet and make an image out of it and, and worship it or something. I mean, they have made out of their own hand Images after gods of all kinds. <laughs> and, and, and those gods uh, were, were not the one God. The only God that is unmade by human hands is God, Yahweh, the Lord, our God. He is one. And so as a, as a um, gift to his people, he teaches us. He teaches us about himself and he says, you will put all of your affection and your loyalty and allegiance to me. And I will be your God. I will be your God. That's a gift. It's a gift. We don't have to make up gods. We don't have to think up and imagine things. The word image often comes up in this. This particular translation doesn't use that word, but it's, you won't carve any images. You won't fashion anything. Um, John, Pastor Tim Keller in New York, he says this about um, a definition for idols, and it says an idol is anything more important to you than God. Fairly straightforward. And Pastor John Tyson says this, idolatry is the worship of an unworthy object. Another translation of 1 John 5.21 says it like this, which was our title scripture, dear children, stay away from anything that would replace God in your hearts. Anything that would take the affection of God and replace it with something lesser. You know, we are created as human beings. The reason why idolatry is the worship, let me start there. The reason why idolatry is the worship of an unworthy object is because we were created to worship God alone. And so anything else is actually unworthy of human worship. So today we're going to talk about what does that mean in my heart? Because I... Many of us, and if you haven't, I would love, our prayer team will be here. If you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, we will have a prayer team at the end of the service, and we would love to, to meet with you and talk to you about how to, how to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or what does that mean, and how do I surrender to him? But for those of us in the room today who have made, and on the, on the video today, who have made Jesus our Lord, and we've said, you are my God, we've taken that, we've taken that commitment, um, it's important for us to understand that that is a mark of who we are as God's people. That's why, you know, it's even singing our worship and, and the things that we do. Those are, those are special identifying factors of the people of God. We don't just sing songs because it's a traditional thing to do. We do it because it's actually the way God has called us. It's a part of being a believer in Jesus. It's part of being the people of God. You know, with the amount of scripture in both the Old and New Testaments, and I have not been able to, we would not have enough daylight to talk about the amount of scripture covering idolatry and divided affections. 
Um, but in the Old and New Testament, it's covered over and over again, and we get these warnings, just like John says, keep away from idols. We get these warnings. We get these, hey, look out for this. Jesus even said that. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. And so, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But we're, because of the amount of scripture that there is in this, we actually have to ask ourselves, do I have an idol in my heart? Do I worship? Do I have affection going somewhere that's not actually aimed fully at God? It's not actually an allegiance to God. Maybe it's an allegiance that looks like something else, an allegiance to myself, really, and not actually surrendered fully to God. We're going to break this down and keep talking about it so we can understand how to identify in our own hearts. But worship is about the priorities of our heart. And idolatry, as we said, idolatry is the worship of an unworthy object. So really, idolatry is when our priorities in worship get out of order and we begin to rather than stay allegiant and putting our affection toward god we kind of turn our hearts just slightly and we say this thing over here i don't really want god's say in it it kind of looks like this you know we in our hearts we say jesus is lord except over my money <laughs> I mean, this is how we identify idols. We say, Jesus is Lord, except when I want to talk bad about somebody who's hurt me. Jesus is Lord, except when it comes to that enemy of mine. Jesus is Lord, except when it comes to my weekend activities, because I need a break, because every week it's just the grind and the difficulty of life, and I've had to deal with people that I don't want to deal with and work that I didn't like to do. So Jesus is Lord, except maybe this one thing over here. That's what idolatry looks like in our hearts. And we can begin right now as the Holy Spirit talks to us because actually we never want to examine our hearts outside of the Word and the Spirit doing the ministry for us. Because here's what will happen if we say, oh God, do I have an idol in my heart? Or if we just say to ourselves, let me say it that way. If we just say to ourselves, okay, Carrie, figure out what's going on in here. I don't actually look at God. I don't actually say, Holy Spirit, you talk to me. That's why almost all of our services end in, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? <laughs> because we actually need him to tell us. Because what could happen is if I just in my own mind, which I'm in way too many times, in my own mind, I could either say, oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I don't have any, I don't have any idols. I don't have anything that's wrong with me. Or, and I could dismiss everything. <laughs> I mean, oh, I love God. I go to church. I'm, you know, I mean, I've got pastors sometimes in front of my name, and so I'm good. But, or we might, if we examine our hearts without the help of the Holy Spirit and the clarity of his word, we might actually just like, oh, I'm horrible, and I'm bad, and I'm never, I'm never going to make it to heaven. I'm never going to live in eternity. I could never serve Jesus. And so, so actually using our own thinking to process what's going in our hearts leads us like in two ways that actually are not right. And God wants to call us by his grace and his love and his kindness as we surrender to him and bring clarity to us so we can give our full allegiance to him. Idols diminish our understanding of God. Right there in that Deuteronomy um, 5, 8, where it's kind of describing, God kind of goes through, like, don't make anything that, for, that you imagine from heaven, earth, or the sea. He's saying, don't, 
don't try to put me like this. I'm an invisible God. I'm an infinite God. And you can't carve anything or make up anything or think up anything or put anything before me that doesn't actually diminish who I am. I want us to do a participation activity today, okay? So everybody's going to participate, okay? So in front of you, I want you to find, it can be on your lap or out in the room somewhere. Just don't get up and walk around or anything weird. But you can look straight in front of you or wherever. Find a point, pick it, and focus on it. One, two, three, focus on that. Don't move. Keep it there. Keep it in your view. Keep your eyes completely focused on that one point. Now I want to, you can kind of see in your peripheral vision, that's not the right way to say it, but anyway, the, um, that there's other things close by. So on the count of two, I want you to shift your actual focus to something close by. One, two. Okay, now everybody's focused in. I'm doing it too, so that's why I'm not looking around or walking around so much. Um, we're, we're looking at this one point. And we will notice, if you'll notice, we can still see the original point in our view, right? We can still see it. But, like, it's, a, it's kind of, it's not, a, it's not clear. It's kind of fuzzy. I mean, I can kind of, I mean, I can make it out. I know it's there. It hasn't moved. But it's not clear. And this is an example for us. We can stop. You can look around now. Although some of you, I saw your heads were moving, so you were already doing that. But anyway... <laughs> We notice that when our affection, when our gaze just kind of slightly moves, I mean, mine moved about three inches from my original point. And I could still see the original point, but I couldn't see it clearly like I could the thing I was focusing on. This is a way for us to identify. This is what happens to us when we, when we put our focus on something other than God's way. When our allegiance goes astray, just the smallest amount, and it can be good things. It can be wanting the best things for our kids. It can be wanting a good reputation in the community. It can be wanting um, just many, many things. It can be wanting a certain position at work. Um, that's a good thing for your family. That's a good thing for you and good thing even for the company. But there are things that if we take it out from underneath our allegiance to God, if we try to make our own way, if we say, God, no, I don't, I don't really want to, if I ask you about this, the answer could be no. If I ask you about this, you may have me do something else, and I don't want to do that. This is an this is a, a indication of our affection going off to the side, but being siphoned away from the Lord. And we're actually saying, no, I'd rather handle this part on my own. I'd rather take care of it myself. I know I have an idol when I'm willing to deny God a say in it. 1 John 2, let's read that together, 15 through 17. It's in your sermon notes today, or you can look it up in your Bible. And it says, 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. So as I'm looking at my heart <laughs> with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the grace of God and the kindness of, uh, of his um, wisdom, his wisdom is kind, I wonder to myself, okay, yeah, I see some things in my heart. I see some things in my heart that I've raised up 
that I've just so slightly said, oh, I, can, I can do this without it really affecting my relationship with God. And that's actually called spiritual adultery, by the way. It's kind of like when you're married and not when, we're not going to say when, if you're married and you have somebody you date on the side. That is what we're doing. We're not necessarily in full commitment to this side thing, but we're using it to, we're using it, we're turning our hearts just so slightly away from God. And Jesus talks about this in Revelation 2, 2 through 5. He's talking to a church actually here. This is his words. And so he's talking to the people of God so we can receive this word as well. And he says this, he starts out, um, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. And that's a great testimony, isn't it? You've, you have endured hardships. I mean, these people have either gone through persecution or suffering for the name of Jesus, not just because their government was bad or they were in a bad spot or they got sick, but for the name of Jesus, they've endured hardships and have not grown weary. But Jesus says this, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Consider how far you have fallen and repent. Do the things you did at first. This is the words of Jesus. Repent. You've done all these things. And even in my name, and he says that in the scriptures, he said there's going to be people who come to me and say, oh God, we've cast out demons and done miracles in your name. And he says, I don't know you. What does that tell us? There's somewhere where the, heart, the affections of the heart got over here on trying to be and do the right things instead of actually worshiping and putting our affection and our love toward God and letting him work through us. You know, I think of the Pharisees when I read all of these things and I think about idolatry because here is the truth. They knew the law of God. It was God's law given to God's people. They were God's people. They had his name. They knew it. But when Jesus talks to them, he says, you don't know me because you don't know the Father. What does that sound like? You've lost your first love. You're doing and working to prove yourself to yourself and to everybody else that you can do it. You're trying to prove yourself to God even, that you can, you can mark off the check marks of all the laws. You can be a good person. And our affections, that, that's, our affections have turned actually from our dependence on God, his grace and his mercy to help us live for him with love. And it's turned to just keeping some rules. And Jesus, I'm sure he was brokenhearted to know, you don't know the Father. And your worship isn't actually supposed to be the worship of knowing the law. It's actually to be toward me, toward relationship with me. And I wonder if in our hearts today, we, we sense in the spirit, there's some things. Wow, God, I really, I really don't, I, I really can see that I haven't surrendered that to you. I really can see that I've been trying to be a good person outside of actually worshiping you first. It's not that we don't, the, the scripture is also full of things saying, 
you should be a good witness to your neighbors by being loving and kind and full of integrity and virtue. All of those things come from the Lord, but we have idolatry in our hearts when we think they can come from us outside of our worship to him first. That means I'm actually thinking that I can do it and I'm worshiping myself. This is the truth. Idolatry has its root in self-worship. Now, what does this have to do? Oh, wait, I got to back up. Don't say that. (laughs) I want to go back to this. Here's the good news. Although idolatry is the siphoning off of our worship to lesser things, to things that are not God, we have an image bearer. That word is important, image bearer. Jesus has come and he has shown us how we worship and serve God alone. How instead of wanting our own way and little things that we think maybe don't really matter that much to God, maybe we're free enough in God to like kind of just decide this and do this outside of of talking to him about it, outside of, of actually doing it because our motivation is to worship him. But Jesus has given us, he laid down his life. He overcame He overcame any physical or human tendency to say, I want to go my own way, and God might not mind. I mean, after all, I've lived a perfect life. I mean, I've given the way for people to see how to live sinlessly, right? But he, he went to the cross anyway. Jesus, our Savior, has given us his spirit so that we can worship God in spirit and truth. So while it seems hard for us to not have distracted hearts, for us to not have divided affections, it seems hard actually. It seems hard for us to not get get distracted. Here's the thing. We don't do it because we're able to do it. We do it because the Spirit of God lives in us, and His grace is our power to actually live with full devotion to Him and Him alone. Don't forget, God wants our hearts. He's not into behavior modification. He's actually in to showing you His great love for, your, for you and all of your goodness or messiness, whatever you think of yourself. God has the thoughts on His mind and in His heart of who you are, and He wants to talk to you about that. He wants your heart, because if we get our hearts right, our affection, our worship, everything else will fall into line and flow from there. Again, Pastor John Tyson, he writes this, we need to make sure, this is a key, you guys, I'm going to pause, this is a key to us addressing idol worship in our own hearts, okay? We need to make sure that in our times of stress and sorrow, and in the celebration of our triumphs, we turn our hearts to God in gratitude and prayer and worship, inviting him into the places of anxiety and fear, rather than medicating them by looking to some temporary solution We all know, I mean, we got that. We've got temporary solutions, like down. (laughs) We know how to make ourselves feel a little bit better, at least until we, you know, get to the next distraction in our lives, right? Um, We know how to celebrate without inviting God into the celebration. But rather than doing that, we need to resist, by the grace of God, the use of these kinds of things to fend off dependence on God. Because when we do that, we delay our deliverance. God is at war for the love of our hearts. That's really what he wants. He's looking for our love. And here's the thing. We've been called into relationship with him. 
See, we're made in his likeness, not him into our likeness. And so he is God supreme. And he deserves our worship. He created us to be in relationship with him and to worship him alone. And so it is for our good that he gives us the way to go in his word. Worshiping God has the power to take down idols in our hearts. Surrender and worship. This is the way we address idols. I want us to read uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Where it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Because this is what the Pharisees did. They used the world ways, world's ways to wage war against unrighteousness. They said, oh, we know. We'll memorize and study and understand the best we can and then do all the rules of God. That's waging war like the world. <laughs> I can do it. I can work hard. I will do it. And I will look good doing it. And I will get my fancy clothes on like they did. And they, they changed the garment. God gave them rules of how they were to dress. And they actually extended. Jesus talked about they make longer fringe and tassels. And they made fancier clothes just so they could get glory. It became really obvious over the years that there was a, a, an idol in their hearts here. I'm not trying to pick on any one group, but they're a great example for us. <laughs> So 2 Corinthians 10 and then um, verse 4, it says this, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And strongholds are a result of idol worship. (laughs) They are a result of us taking our affection off of God and we get a stronghold, which is something that we, in our lives, we would probably notice it the most as something we cannot get over. Whether it's anger, whether it's greed, whether it's uh, just not caring about other people, whether it's money and, and the accumulation of it, whether it's popularity or reputation, being seen as somebody that's good. If those things are driving us, those are strongholds. And they're set in our mind like this is the way it is. And one of the things in that second part, sorry, I keep looking up there like it's up there. Uh, The second part of that commandment in Deuteronomy, um, it says this, I lay the sins, this is hard to hear, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children, the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But I lavish love or unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. God is teaching us here that how I live is actually affecting other people. We know that. We know as parents or as children of parents, one of the two, that the way that we live is actually passed down to our kids. What God is saying in this commandment, the way that you worship, your kids are going to carry it on. The way society views God and the way that society values or doesn't value The worship of God is being passed down to the next generations. And it's either going to be a lavish display of his great love, or we're going to experience the effects of denying God his lordship in our lives. And that's what that command is really about. That part of the command is really about we're passing it down. We're passing it down. Because we're setting up a normal way of thinking and seeing the world. When we do that, however we worship, we're setting that up for our kids to see and for even 
new believers. And they come into our church. Guess what? They come here four or five times, and they know kind of how it goes. So every one of us has a role in how people feel loved and cared for and experience God as we gather on a Sunday, as we see them out in the community. And this is why undivided affection to God is so important. Because listen, undivided affection for God empowers me to love other people. We think sometimes, oh, I can love people without, in fact, we know lots of good people who maybe don't serve God and they seem really good and kind and all of that. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock all of that. We're not even going to go in that direction. But what I want to say is this love is a result of the life of God in us. That is where love comes from. So in our, in our church, in our community, in our world, in our families, we talked about hospitality last week. Pastor gave us some definitions, and I want us to hone in on one particular part of being hospitable because a hospitable environment is one that is pleasant or favorable for living in, right? Well, when we live with idolatry in our hearts, <laughs> that has its root, because here's the thing, idolatry has its root in self-worship. Whew. I just made a lot of friends. Idolatry has its root in self-worship. And self-worship is unable to love other people as Christ loves me. I can do all the things and show up and take care of people. I can have people into my home and serve them food and make sure that it's a clean home and smile and hug them. But if in my heart... I'm actually aiming at their approval. I'm actually aiming at my own personal approval. If that's why I'm doing it, I'm not doing it because I love God and I love people. I'm doing it. There's a root here. This is where the Holy Spirit has to help us examine our hearts because it's, it's oftentimes hard to see because the, the, these things often have become normal in our society. It's normal for us to want people to think well of us. And for that to become a primary focus of our hearts and the way that we live. If I invite people in and those, I, pretty soon I begin to resent. I resent the mess that they left. Right? I resent how much work it was. I mean, I am talking about this because I have dealt with this my own self. I'm working to clean my house. I'm working to clean up my yard. I'm doing all of those things. And really, I'm not doing it for them. I'm not doing it for God. I'm doing it for me. Because I want them to think I have a nice home, a nice place for them to hang out. I want them to like the food that they're going to eat. But I want them to think good of me about all of those things. And, and that's just a simple example of how deeply um, involved sometimes idol worship is. It's, it's deep down in there. And so we need the Holy Spirit to actually talk to us about it. Clean us up so that our allegiance can return to him. Again, I don't address that by saying, well, I just won't have people over anymore. Then I just won't ever have to deal with that idol in my heart. I mean, it won't come up anymore. No, we actually say, okay, God, how do I do this? How do I love people? How do I serve people better? Oh, okay. I do that by worshiping you. 
by wanting to actually please you with the way the food is prepared and the way my house looks and all of those things. I want to please you. For some people, that's going to totally change everything about it because now all of a sudden you might be okay with something on the floor over here when the people come over, right? <laughs> okay, no, they don't like that. <laughs> So idolatry with a, with a root of self-worship, which is really what it has, it actually creates an inhospitable environment. It really creates a hostility in our hearts toward people. You know, it really creates in our, in our own church when we see people, you know, maybe leave a piece of trash on the ground or, or maybe they bumped into us or something. And if we're not there to love God first and that helps us love other people, we can be like, man, those people hurt my feelings or they don't care about anything. They just, and we begin to think bad about people because we actually don't love God first. We're actually loving something else first. In my relationships, when I have heart idols, when I am not fully devoted, it actually doesn't even matter what the idol is. If I'm not fully devoted and if my allegiance is fully on God, there will be in my relationships manipulation, fear, pride, and impossible expectations. Because unless we set our affection on God alone and we find our worth and we find our value and we find our expectations and we find all the love that we need in him, all of these other things are going to result I want us to look at Colossians chapter 3. Now we're going to look at a long passage, 1 through 17. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Because in this, Paul talks about how to start what happened, what has happened, our testimony, and then it talks about the result of what God has done in our hearts. And so if you want to, you can go ahead and get out your scriptures if you haven't done that yet. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. And this is what it says Since then, you have been raised with Christ. This is talking to believers. We've all been raised with Christ, okay? That's what salvation does. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We're setting our hearts and our minds is our affections and our intentions right on him and him alone. There's a purity he wants to refine us to <laughs> where we're not, we're not influenced by other loves. We're actually fully able. Think about, let's go back to this marriage thing. If you're married but you've got a side person you're dating, like it's kind of hard, like you're, you're distracted. Don't do that. Go to the prayer team after church. Um, but this is just an example of like we can clearly see like now I'm distracted. My love for this person can't be everything it should be because I'm distracted over here with trying to please this other thing. This thing, person, that was not nice. But this other love, it's, it's just taking away from. And we just sang today, all my love, all my love belongs to God. I'm good at interrupting myself, so let's go back to Colossians 3, 4. When Christ is your life, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. This is our hope eternal. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. All of those things are the result of idol worship. 
Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, before you were raised in Christ, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Hallelujah. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. When I have undivided worship and you have undivided worship, we live in this type of community where we have put off all of these things that bring divisions among ourselves. So the result of Christ being all in all, he is our common thread, right? He's our common thread. We can have unity in this room no matter where we come from. And that's what he means by all, listing all these different Jew or Gentile. You can't get much different than that. Second, I've taken down all the barriers, all <laughs> All the excuses to not love somebody, I've taken them down because you come together under one name, mine, and you bring all your worship here. And that is your common, that is your common ground. That is what makes you unified. In verse 12 of Colossians 3, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, this is who we are. It's what he says we are. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is the result of living free of idol worship. We actually love one another with a pure heart. We can actually forgive. We can actually bear with one another through the things that are not so nice. We can actually bear with one another in love and patience. And in verse 15, it says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. When we have divided affection, peace is hard to come by. But in in full worship to God, in full allegiance to him. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. You are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you do. Not the message of what mess they're in. This is how we love one another. Let the message of Christ. If somebody's in a mess, you've got good news for the mess. If you're not in a mess, you've still got good news. (laughs) You've got a testimony of how God brought you out of a mess. So we let the word of Christ dwell richly among us as we teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. See, when we can live with undivided worship to God, free of idols in our hearts, free of other things telling us how to do something, free of not, we won't bow down or listen or serve something else. 
outside of him, then we live with the fullness of love that comes from him for one another. And no matter what other people may be uh, doing, how they might be treating us, how they might misunderstand us, God is the source of our love. And we don't look for love anywhere else. And then we can truly and freely love one another. If you'd go ahead and stand with me today, we're going to take our communion so you can get that open. Yes, God. Today, as we take our communion, we're going to again ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And also, let's surrender fear and, and anything in our mind that we might be saying, eh, I don't need to think about this. I don't need to worry about this. But let's ask him, talk to me, Holy Spirit. Talk to me, God, about what's going on in my heart. I give it to you. We sang the words today. I give, I surrender it all to you. Talk to me about what's going on in my heart so that I can love you. I can be free of the things that hinder my love and my affection and my allegiance to you. Let's do that together this morning. And as you're doing that, um, when, you, when you're released and when you hear from the Holy Spirit, you can go ahead and take the bread and the juice that represents the freedom we have in Christ. Thank you, Father. you, God, that you are good and kind and that as we come to you and we listen to you and we talk to you about the condition of our love for you, about our heart's affection and where it is, we thank you that, that you are not ready to pounce on us. You're not pouring out your wrath on us, but you're actually drawing us into you. And you're cutting, you're cutting the things that bind us to other, to other loves, Jesus. By your spirit, you're talking to us with, with a revelation that we need from you. So that we can live in full allegiance to you. There's no fear in your love, God. There's no fear in your love. There's no regret, there's no regret in, in surrendering it all to you, Jesus. Purify us, God. And we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, for being our image bearer of how to serve our Father and worship him alone. Thank you, Jesus. If you haven't taken your bread and juice, you can go ahead and do that. We commit our hearts to you, God. We turn our affections to you. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for speaking to us about anything that might take your place in our hearts. We choose to put our hearts in your hands and ask you to show your love to our family, friends, strangers, and enemies as we worship you with undivided hearts. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, the name above every name. Amen. 
Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.